I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbiz. Great to have your company as we kick off the PM with the call. Um, one hour where we look at 10 stocks through the eyes of two experts to give investors a bit of a, a direction and those stocks are chosen by you. Our expert panel today, delighted to have Mark Morland from Team Invest back with us here in our Brangaroo studios. Mark, welcome. Good to, good good to, to be see here. You. And Carl Kapalinga from uh, Think Markets joins us with from Perth, West Coast Eagles fan, and the tension is already building ahead of the clash <laughs> fixture on Saturday night between Port Adelaide and the Eagles. You're getting nervous, Carl? No, why would I be nervous, David? It's going to be it's be over by three-quarter time. But uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mark. Good to see you again. Good afternoon. <laughs> good to see you. Yeah, you just keep your borders open. That's all I say to you, Carl. It's going to be a big night, of That's course, West me, Coast. David? Uh, West Coast it's Invincible. Up to, uh, it's up to uh, a newly, uh, imp- you know, we've got Emperor Mark McGowan over here, so it's up to him, unfortunately. Yep. If, I had, exactly. if I had my say, I'll yeah, see yeah. you on Saturday. Well, looking forward to coming over and visiting the family and going to the footy and, uh, uh, of course, at West Coast, um, absolutely invincible at Opta Stadium. So uh, Port Adelaide goes in as severe underdogs, but we're just a battling working-class team. We'll do our best against the... <laughs> Silver Tales of the West. Um, <laughs> any comments, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm speechless. Absolutely <laughs> <prospect. laughs> All right, let's get down to business, though. And uh, before we get into your 10 stocks, uh, I always come up with the stock of the day. Something um, that um, is in the, in the headlines. And I thought we'd take a look at AGL, only because whenever AGL comes up on the call, Every expert pans it, saying that it's been a historical dud. It's been a wealth um, disintegrator. Capital killer. A capital killer. Mark Morland, yes, capital killer. Well, is that about to change, I ask you? Because AGL is planning to put up to $400 million in assets on sale as it cushions the impact of weaker electricity prices. This as it plans to split in two by the end of the year, forming a retail business called New AGL, New AGL and a generation business called Primeco. Now, uh, there's all of this talk that uh, Telstra is going to split and its, its poles and wire and infrastructure business off to one and retail 
uh, and mobile and data off to another arm. So is AGL doing a, um, a similar and will it help the performance? Mark Mullen, what do you think of uh, the announcement? And well, will I think, it I think improve if, AGL? If you're a long-suffering shareholder, then yeah. you'd hope so. Right. Uh, and I think, <laughs> I think to be fair, um, uh, AGL has been a mediocre performer. I, yep. I wouldn't go as far as saying it's been a capital killer, but it's... No. Well, it, you it, brought the capital killer yeah, up. No. <laughs> yeah, so, so it, it, ha- it has performed poorly. It went into a loss in the trailing 12 months, so, yep. um, which, which is not good. So, you know, that actually, when, when that happens, and they haven't actually been in a loss for the last 10 years. No. So that's big. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously that puts a lot of pressure on CEOs and boards as well. Yeah. So uh, doing some corporate activity like a split and so on makes sense, you know, as in it's a, it's a big distraction because yep. from a market's point of view, is that going to be better? Well, perhaps it will. Uh, there may be a strategic reason to do it, you know, to do with regulatory issues and so on, because yeah. be, as you mentioned with Telstra, with the poles and wires and the retail business and so on, the re- half the reason I think Telstra would split is so that they, they can, they're in a position to potentially take over the MBN. Right. Know, down the road, so they need to separate. So we, you know, this is purely wholesale versus yep. where we're a mixture of everything. Yep. AGL is the same. So splitting the poles and wires off the the distribution side of the business and the retail sort of has some logic to it. Yep. But of course, you're making two smaller entities, and they still have to be managed. There'll be separate listings, so there's frictional costs there as well. Yep. Whether it's going to be better for shareholders, time will tell. It's not a reason to buy it, though. Right. You know, that's, I wouldn't say yes, you should buy it because of that, because we yep. have no idea. And that's an ugly five-year it chart, is. isn't it? It is. Uh, it is not basically good. five-year lows. And um, Carl, it's been put to me that the problem with AGL is that they the prices are always set uh, for them. You know, governments. You know, the big mantra of the last couple of years is we're going to cut the cost of electricity. We're going to cut the cost of energy, and force companies like AGL to put sort of limits on prices. Well, how can you make money doing that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. And that's, that's look at the share price. You know, that's exactly why it's been going down. So, um, you know, their cost base uh, largely fixed. In fact, look, their cost base have been rising and, and yet their revenues are, are fixed on the other side as well. So you get uh, crimped margins uh, and declining profits and uh, therefore declining share price. Uh, but I think, look, I, I'm with Mark. I don't think it's a buy uh, at this stage just because of what's happened. But I do think this is a positive for shareholders. So management's job is to try and extract as much value out of the business uh, that they have for shareholders. And I think this is going to uh, improve that uh, because effectively we've got two entities. We've got, I guess, green AGL, which they're calling new AGL. I don't know if they've borrowed that from, uh, I don't know, the Coca-Cola marketing team or whatever it might be. And then we've got uh, the, old, the old AGL, effectively, the old-fashioned AGL, which we will call, that's, I'd prefer to call it brown AGL. So you've got green AGL, uh, which is, you know, going to be environmentally friendly. It's going to be carbon neutral and it's more infrastructure and poles. But there's a lot of demand for that. So there's, you know, we, we do know that there's a lot of demand for you know environmentally sustainable investments and infrastructure investments. So that bit becomes, uh, I guess, more valuable because you, you unlock it. There's going to be higher demand for those assets, and then you've got the brown stuff, um, which probably becomes less valuable because it's brown and nobody wants that stuff, uh, and and it's 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 got a poor business model. And when you put, I guess, the positive and the negative together, you get nil result, and that kind of brings us to the chart. And today's response. Uh, you know, it's a pretty big deal, but we've got nil response. Now, I don't actually have uh, the last candle on there, unfortunately, because I have to get these into Gutham before the uh, before we before the market opens. But um, yeah, a very muted response today, and I think the market's kind of working on that theme of look on balance. Um, it's it's probably a positive because you get to pick the bit you want to keep, but net net, you know, we're still left with the same AGL. 
Right. Okay. The trend looks there. All so right. It's, it's so not, uh, the, the trend is clear cut. Yep. Yeah, they're just saying, David, the trend is clear. You said five-year downtrend. Um, it, it looks awful. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, let's get into the uh, the 10 stocks you want us to uh, take a look at. And uh, Carl, Sam wants a view on Emico. They're the... Um, Basically, they rent out big earth-moving and uh, equipment, don't they, for the mining sector and infrastructure? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a kind of a, a there's two parts to this business as well. Like we just talked about AGL, and there's the bits that that is really exposed to coal, and then there's the everything else bit. And unfortunately, the bit that's been exposed to coal hasn't done so well of late and you can see that reflected in the share price as well and then you've got the the bits that are more focused on iron ore and uh, nickel and all the good stuff uh, and gold uh, which has done pretty well and i guess when you net that out you get very little growth in the business but uh, i think uh, what's going for the business is that uh, it's not particularly expensive Um, it's there's still some growth in the business so that gives you a bit of a buffer as a shareholder if you're in it Um, i wouldn't be looking to buy it right now because whilst i can see there's there's some good stuff going on on the fundamental side of things um, as I said, you know, cheap, some growth, the technicals don't really match up to that view just yet. So for me, it's about finding um, the right stock. So it needs to have a you know, really good business model, being in a, in a growing industry. Um, but I need to find it at the right price. Uh, that's really important. So I don't want to pay too much for that. But then here's the, the final element uh, on screen right now, which is I need to find it at the right time. And the, the chart helps me decide when it's the right time and the right time is when the rest of the market is just starting to figure out what i've already figured out and i don't think that's the case so we've got the short-term downtrend in place the long-term um, trend is still down that's the sort of dark pink area and we can see that the, the when the price uh, when you're in a big downtrend and you come up from underneath that big um, pink yeah. dark pink zone you hit that it's very hard to get above it now if we can get above it that changes the picture but whilst we're sort of hovering just below it here i can't be a buyer so it's one i'd like to keep an eye on because the fundamentals look sound but until that chart turns up it has to be a pass okay. for me all right that's an interesting chart that one um mark what do you think of emico um i had a look at it it's it's an interesting business they yeah. they uh, as you said they're in mining services they also own coats hire and right. they have some other they have a few other businesses all in the same area which is good you know, yep. in, in the same uh, side of things which is basically plant hire a lot of the contracts are long term so they're providing uh, machines and uh, maintenance and so on to uh, to miners, yep. which is good. Um, it is a contracting business, and contracting businesses tend to be obviously very cyclical based on the uh, mining cycles. Mm-hmm. But I would argue we're in quite a strong cycle at the moment. So uh, the PE is on seven, so it's very very low. Mm-hmm. So it's right down the bottom of the green. So it's it's very cheap compared to its normal uh, normal price. And current share price is about ninety nine cents. Um, and the I like it. I like it in all aspects except for debt. They've got 173% debt to equity. Right. And I had a look at the, which is way over our limits. We have a 75% limited team invest. Um, and I had a look at their uh, report, their half year report, and they've paid down about 260 million US uh, debt recently. And they're saying that they're going to pay down their debt over the next three or four years, which will bring it down to about our limit. Right. So uh, that's encouraging. Yep. Um, but the reason we don't like debt like that, um, particularly it's over 100%. Uh, debt to market cap, right. uh, I think, I should better check that, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. is that if interest rates do go up, um, you know, that's a major, major, major risk problem right. you know, for them. Sure. So we, that's why we don't do it. It doesn't yeah. mean they have a problem because rates are really cheap at the moment. Yeah. But that doesn't mean debt's good. Right. Uh, debt's yeah. still bad because debt's what takes out companies more than any other thing. Right. You know, when, you, uh, when you have a downturn in the market or a credit squeeze okay. or something, which could easily happen. Um, they're, uh, where are we, company size? Yeah, it's about, it's not that big. I think it's um, about, uh, let's see, company size, 
I'm thinking 150 mil, I can't remember now. Right. Um, uh, it's about 380 mil right. you know, market cap. But it's a well-run business, quite diversified. It's very cheap relatively. Yeah, yeah. And, live with the debt. And, and you look at that five-year chart and I'd have, Carl, is there any reason sort of why that big massive fall from um, sort of about $2? Because it was, was that yeah. the... <clears throat> Bit of mining that's investment a, yeah. boom, or no? That's that's co that's co. So the, the, there's the big uh, the big jump, which is not reflected on my chart. That's probably a a consolidation of some sort. So a, oh, a, a right, capital, okay. um, yeah, that's gone through. But the big drop is real. So that one actually did happen, and that's coinciding exactly with the COVID high. So um, that's probably more to do with uncertainty around COVID than, uh, than anything else. I do have some exposure in South America as well, and that's been one of the most sluggish parts of their business, as you'd expect, bigger COVID exposure there. Um, yep. But yeah, look, everything Mark said is correct. Um, they have brought the gearing down. It's, it's actually uh, under um, sort of one-to-one now. So that's, that yeah. helps, but he's, you know, I agree with everything he said as well. Right. Yeah, just quickly on the earnings too, by the way, the, uh, they made losses through uh, 2014 to 2017. Right. Which is bad. Right. And then yeah, yeah. Uh, then they were eight cent profit, thirteen point eight cents, twenty two cents, and then back to thirteen cents. Right. So at least okay. you know, at least it's profitable now. Right. Even though the profits come off a bit in the la- in sure. the trailing twelve months. So look, if you're a shareholder, I'd keep it. I wouldn't sell it at these levels because the, you know the 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 PEs within the uh, range we look at, they're in the bottom, very bottom of the bottom quartile. Right. So even on their normal PE range, it's going to go up over time. Okay. So. All right. Uh, Now, let's take a look at uh, move from uh, mining services to retail. And Maggie wants a view on Harvey Norman. Now, Maggie is saying, wondering if the dreadful floods and damage will lead to replacement of home goods, fridges, furniture, and would make uh, Harvey Norman share purchases worthwhile. Which sectors will benefit from repairs, replacement uh, buyer insurances? Uh, oh, I think I think it's probably going to benefit Harvey Norman over time. Right. I don't think it's something you can trade or invest on that yeah. sort of thing, because yeah. um, I mean, you look at macro issues. There's really big ones, yeah. uh, like COVID has obviously been a really big impact on retail in a positive sense. Yeah. I don't know if anybody picked that at the beginning of uh, re- uh, beginning of COVID. I sure didn't. Yeah. Assuming that retail would boom, yeah, you know, through COVID, which yeah. has been quite amazing. Harvey Norman's done very well through that period as well. Um, and the home office trend has been very good for yes. them, as it has been for JB Hi-Fi yeah. and Nick Scarley yeah. and so on and as well. So, so they've all been riding that wave and yeah. it's all good. Whether uh, white goods and uh, redoing uh, homes from floods, you know, it's, 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 it's got to be a positive. Right. Yeah. But it's not some reason why you would um, uh, buy it on that alone. Having said that, uh, it's actually quite good value. So um, I, would, I would have no problem buying it if you uh, if you want to. Members of Team Invest tend to have avoided Harvey Norman because of the Jerry Harvey factor in that Oh, uh, that's a bit yeah. mean. In that he's a good manager. Well and he's a founder yeah, and yeah and he likes horse racing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but no the reason is the why, uh, why the accounts like are him? the accounts are a bit opaque. Now oh, that's right. the way he does it and he's basically said every time he gets criticized, well bad luck. Right. Yeah, and you really are backing Jerry. Yeah. Uh, which is fine because I'm, yeah. I'm all for founder CEOs, right. as you know. Yes. Um, we're showing it returning about 16% at the current level based on its check uh, uh, record over the last six years, okay. which is pretty good. All right. Yeah, so I'd put it as a buy. Uh, Carl? 
Yeah, look, I like it as well. Uh, I think the, the biggest problem for Harvey Norman going forward is we're going to get some comparisons over the next half and then the next half, which won't look fantastic because of the massive surge they had through COVID. So yeah. they're not going to see another 93% increase in their you know, EBITDA. <laughs> um, and in fact, you know, you're going to, you might see some negative numbers. So there's going to be a little bit of... Um, uh, negative press maybe around that, but I think you know um, longer term investors. Mark's quite correct. You know we'll probably look through that, that as well. Um, I think the question was specifically about whether we will need more white goods as a result of um, the, the floods, and it's um, yeah. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm probably on the same page. Look, I can't see it being a negative. It's probably more of a positive, but I don't think it's going to be um, as big as say some of these um, these base base effects, negative base effects. Um, but look, it is a, it is a uh, a good business. It seems to be um, chugging along pretty nicely right now. It doesn't look expensive. I think growth will probably surprise to the upside just in terms of um, just sort of reopening and, and just just um, there's a very you know positive um, housing uh, industry right now. So we've got a lot of uh, houses being built literally as we speak and the keys are starting to get thrown uh, over to, to homeowners and they're going to want to put nice uh, new Harvey Norman stuff in there as well. So I think it'll surprise the upside. I think the chart's kind of uh, telling you that it's very strong at the moment. Short-term trends are up, long-term trends are up. I think it's when you want to buy the pullbacks. I don't think there's any rush to go out there and 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 and, and buy it. If you do see the pullbacks into that sort of uh, green zone I've got on screen there and I'll, I'll give you a number. I've actually uh, moved away on my charts here because I want to talk about um, very quickly about another one. So, so probably around that 580 level, you'd, you'd keep buying it and just writing the trend high and I, I think you can do that. The other one, um, because it's a question about what's going to benefit the most out of uh, these floods is probably John's Ling Group. Uh, so this this is uh, sort of a, uh, not really engineering. That's a jack of all trades. They just they basically fix fix stuff. But they've uh, and and they've got a lot of relationships with insurers, and they're pretty much the go-to in yeah. that space. So that's an another amazing looking chart. It kind of looks like Harvey Norman, coincidentally. Um, but if you're specifically targeting um, that sort of uh, flood recovery trade, that's the one you'd go for. So the ticket code there, David, is JLG. Okay. All right. uh, just one thing to add, which I, I should have mentioned too. I, I, had, I had a chat with Jerry right. once when we were both on Sky uh, on different programs. And he was saying that the uh, international business is the most exciting part of their growth for him. Right. And they're in Croatia, Malaysia yes. and Ireland, uh, I think now. Got yeah, no, they, and they own, they own their own sites, but they're actually doing very well. And he actually said that he expects in five years that the international business will be more profitable than the Australian business. Oh, that's interesting. So that's interesting, which is yeah. also a bit of a different, I think a lot of people don't know that. Yep. And yep. it just adds an extra little um, uh, a string to their bow, you know, for Harvey yep. Norman that some of our other retailers don't have. Yep, okay. Yeah. All right, there you go, Maggie. Uh, a uh, good report from both Carl and Mark on Harvey Norman. Um, now, Carl Louise wants a view on uh, on Goodman Group, the big um, uh, property group that uh, seems to be the the sector leader. Where when you when you talk about property development or REITs or whatever, everyone goes, "Oh, I'm not so sure. I'm not so <laughs> sure." But I'd buy Goodman. <laughs> but I buy Goodman. Yeah, look, I'm in that camp as well. It's a bit of an analyst favourite because. Um, it's in, you know, it's kind of in the right place at the right time. So this is their bull market. So they, uh, we, there's properties a very broad church. So these guys do uh, warehousing and logistics yeah. is their specialty, and uh, they don't just obviously own uh, and then lease out those premises. They um, do a lot of um, developments, so, uh, development of business parks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, they've got some, you know, very sort of great locations close to city centres and. Uh, look, Amazon is one of their biggest uh, clients. They're just uh, completing a couple of um, uh, warehouses for Amazon at the moment, uh, one here and one overseas. I can't exactly remember where Mark might know. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, it's a great growth 
area, um, big focus on Asia. So they're kind of pivoting into the um, Asian market and that's where most of their, uh, their work in progress is right now. Uh, but they're, they're just shooting lights. It's, it's a brilliantly managed company. It's in the right space. So it's, it's that right company. Is it the right price? That would be the only uh, question mark for me. But uh, it, it, the growth that is going to be in this business, I think, justifies the fact you're paying a bit more for it. Uh, I'd love to get it cheaper. It did pull back to um, that long-term level of support. This is this is where the time comes into it, doesn't it? So I think it's the right stock. The, the price is a little high. And if you can get it in pullbacks in that green zone there, around that sort of 1750 level, uh, I think it's worth going. Um, the the, the trend is, long-term trend is still up. It, it's one of those things that ebbs and flows, but um, I think, yeah, you can, you can buy this uh, anywhere from, from the current level down into that sort of 1750 zone. Okay. Uh, yes, well, definitely a quality uh, business, and I, I yeah. agree that the uh, uh, out of the REITs, and they're not really a REIT, uh, no. but in the property sector, they are uh, probably the pick of the bunch. Yeah. Uh, we recently looked at it in our triage, and it has been voted up in one state to look at in detail, which right. we've never looked at it in detail before. Right. So we are actually going to do a, right. a full risk analysis on it. Uh, the only negative from our, my point of view at the moment is it's in the top quartile of its PE range, so it's quite popular. Right. Um, in the market, so we like we preferably like to buy in the green, which is bottom quartile. Yeah. Uh, to get into the bottom quartile, the price would need to be less than fourteen dollars and two, right. which is a fair way away from where it is. Yeah. In the black, which is the middle fifty percent, it's between fourteen and seventeen dollars. Right. Yeah, which would be okay as well. So nothing wrong with it. We're showing it returning about fourteen percent a year on our default settings going forward, based on its historical performance, yeah. which is pretty good, and yeah. they pay about forty percent dividend. Right. So quality business, uh, definitely worth considering. I'd rather, I'd, I'd want to pay less than 17. Right, personally, okay. If I was right. going to buy it. Okay, yeah. so good company, but yeah. a bit like um, Carl's saying, they got down to that 1750. Yeah, I'd be a bit lower. Have a bit yeah. lower than that. Yeah. Uh, then it's worth, worth buying. Look for a, uh, a bit of a pullback. All right, um, thank you for that, Louise. Um, Ken, uh, Mark wants a view on Woolworths, the big supermarket chain. So <laughs> give us a view on Woolworths and then a Woolworths feed Coles. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, we, we used to be invested in Woolworths right. and we got out early in the master's debacle. Um, uh, some stayed in too long through that debacle because it, right. it was a debacle. Right. Because um, Woolworths tried to take on Bunnings, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, that's right. And, they, and there was quite a lot of Bunnings. hubris. Yeah. And, you know, they thought they knew best. And then they, they went into business with Lowe's from the U.S. And yeah. they, they actually, so Lowe's, who are very successful uh, hardware retailers in the U.S., um, uh, came over and they even did things for the design in Australia. They put gun racks and stuff in. Oh. In, in the, in the uh, we don't, you can't buy guns like that in Australia. <laughs> that's how, that's how, that's how, how not in tune with the market they were. And right. that's, by the way, that's quite common for Americans. Right. Americans sort of do it their way and they just assume everybody else will do it the same yeah, way. Yeah. And you go, hello, no, it doesn't quite work like that no. here. You can't go and buy guns off the rack at the hardware store. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, it was a disaster. Which shows that also the two partners weren't talking to each other. Well, I don't, whether, I don't know whether they were talking to each other or not, but the point yeah. was, it was, uh, I think the deal was, well, Lowe's know how to merchandise and what to do. And also the stock they bought was all wrong. Right. So they bought in massive amounts of stock of stuff that didn't sell here. They didn't right. actually look at what is Bunnings selling and try and yeah. copy that. Interestingly, um, West Farmers, when they owned Bunnings, did, did the same thing when they expanded into the UK. Uh, they bought a, after the right. West Cat crash, yeah. they then went over and bought a business over there and then tried to change it to being Bunnings and assumed all the Brits would be happy because Bunnings are so clever. Right. And it didn't work. Right. So it just shows you the hubris in management. That's yep. what it is. Anyway, yep. getting back to Woolworths. Uh, problem with Woolworths is the numbers. Um, we haven't looked at it for years because it's been really 
uh, has never really come back um, since then. So currently it's got about 213% uh, debt. Now, a lot of that may be leases actually, because I haven't looked at their debt ratios lately. Yeah. Um, but the big problem is their earnings. We're showing minus 9% average over the last six years. So it's got a steady, wow. a steady reduction in earnings. So not, not only don't they have earnings growth, it's earnings decline. Sales are highly uh, stable at a growth rate of 1%, 1 1.1%. Right. So very little growth yeah. uh, and earnings are going down, which means they're making less yeah. Uh, uh, per dollar of sale than they were six years ago, yep. which is just really bad. And then yeah. you equate that through to what, what does that mean if you buy it, and we come up with a negative 8.5% average for the next five years. Okay. So if you buy Woolworths today at about $40, I reckon you're going to lose about 8% a year wow. of your money. So why would you okay. do it? Yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. buy it at a price that would give you 10%, I can tell you what that would be, which would be pretty horrible. Mm -hmm. um, to get a 10% return on Woolworths, you couldn't pay more than um, $13.77. Okay. And it's currently 40. Right. So, so, okay. yeah, so it's, That's it's, a big gap. It's a big gap. Yep. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Woolies? I think we'll take that as a no from Mark. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, don't, I don't mind Woolies. And, uh, you know, we've got clients that want different things. So we've got clients that want to know that the latest, greatest tech stock that's going to be, um, you know, starts at five cents and it's going to be $5 in, in, in five days. Uh, all the way to people who manage self-managed super funds and they're not interested in any of that. They just want boring and yield. And they want to know that if they wake up tomorrow, their portfolio is going to be roughly the same, worth roughly the same as what it is. Uh, so eventually when they uh, do depart the big dance, um, you know, the, the, the kids and the grandkids get roughly what they thought they were going to get. Uh, and in the meantime, they get a great yield and that pays, pays the bills. So I think this falls more into the latter category where it's big, it's boring, but it is stable. Um, but look, it's not cheap um, by any stretch of the imagination uh, in terms of we're talking sort of mid to high uh, PEs. And I said on Goodman Group, I don't mind paying a bit more. Now, those, those PEs sort of closer to 20 because the growth is there. So next year, um, because earnings grow, assuming you're buying it at a fixed P, yeah. uh, P over E, um, the, you, you know, your, your PE falls uh, and it comes into the high teens. And then, you know, it's probably more like if you're taking a three to five year view, which is what I think you need to do on Goodman, you, you're buying it more on a sort of a low teens. Of course, there's the execution risk marks going to tell me, but that's the view you take. Woolworths um, has a very high PE, but it doesn't have the growth to back that up. It's going to struggle as we get those comparisons coming through um, because of the boom we had on COVID. Look, hotels are a plus. Hotels and hospitality, that's going to pick up. But you've got other areas like Big W, which will probably pull back and supermarkets will pull back. Uh, it's a high high cost business with not a lot of um, growth. You know, having said all that, if you had it, of course, you're going to hold it because it doesn't matter what I'm going to tell you to do on Bullworths. You know, they're going to sell it anyway. Yep. But I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't buy it here. Wouldn't buy it here either. See, it's, it's a really good lesson, as I think, as we go through these stocks today. And Carl... You brought your own charts, which is terrific as well. And you look at Woolworths is, you know, not far off its five-year high. Harvey yep. Norman, a lot higher than its five-year high. Both of you, because an investor would say, uh, a, a lot of private investors would say, oh, it's a five-year high, it's too expensive. <laughs> but it's actually what justifies mm that share price and the Harvey Norman's earnings are increasing and potential earnings to justify the higher price. Woolworths, right. the earnings are not no. um, to justify yep. it. So it's more than just looking at the straight share price, is that, Carl? Share, share price tells you nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not for my yeah, point I mean, of view. The share, the sh 
Yeah, the share price should be a reflection of earnings growth. So if yeah. earnings are growing, yeah. Yeah. then the share price will be going up. If earnings are flat, yeah. the share price is going to be pretty flat. And that's what Woolworths. Woolworths is pretty flat because its earnings are pretty flat. But the chart of Woolworths doesn't look terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, the market loves growth. It pays for growth. Yeah. And it's just a question of how much it pays for growth. Yeah. And, and guys like Mark and, Mark and myself, our, our job is to tell our clients, look, you're paying a bit too much for that growth or that growth looks really cheap. Yep. Exactly. All right. Uh, Ron wants a view, Mark, on uh, Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, one of our, our regional banks, second tier bank outside the, uh, uh, say, the top five, if you put Macquarie into the top four. Yep. Um, what do you think of Bendigo and Adelaide? Uh, not much. Um, no. they, we, we, we're pretty cool <laughs> on banks generally. And I think they're... Well, as, a, as a sector. I think there's massive headwinds. They've had regulatory issues you've got uh, they're having to unwind business models there's all sorts of stuff happening that's not positive yeah. for banks and they've also got all these fintech companies chomping away like tyro on payments so they're yeah. all over the place they're yeah. also chomping away just like happened to telstra yeah. for a long yeah. time with all yeah. the small telcos so I, I generally don't like them you definitely don't want to pay a really high PE because the earnings aren't good um, just like uh, Woolworths uh, Bendigo Bank has been in a negative EPS growth since 2017 so it's sort of right. falling off not falling off a cliff but going down a fairly steep slope on earnings Return on equity for Bendigo has never been over 10% in the last 10 years, which is our absolute minimum anyway. Uh, it's currently running at 4.8%, which means they're getting they're getting 4% return on the equity in the business, which is woeful. Yeah. Uh, Combank's much better. Right. So if you're going to look at banks, you know, then Combank's the standout. Um, right. All of the smaller banks, and to be fair to them, they've been discriminated against uh, after the GFC with a lot of the government uh, regulatory changes they brought in on capital adequacy and measurements didn't help the small banks, right. even though they would, the government would say, oh, we want to have um, more competition and so on. Well, they sure didn't right. bring in things didn't that help. were going to help competition. Right. So to be fair, they've had a hard time. But I'm showing uh, minus 11.7% per okay. year return. It's also on a PE currently of 26, which is, is massive you know, yeah, for a bank massive anyway. for a bank. Yeah, it's yeah. way too high. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, Carl? Yeah, look, I, I don't mind uh, Bendigo, I don't mind banks. I think we've got a, a window here where they can do very well because of the, the current interest rate situation where we've got a steepening bond yield curve. And, you know, that's kind of um, just, there's been a chain, a ball and chain around their leg for the last few years as interest rates have been low and falling and that yield has been flattening. So uh, banks obviously like to um, uh, get take deposits from us, pay us very, very little. Uh, yep. because they're borrowing short term and then uh, they charge us on our mortgages a much higher rate because they're lending long term. So when rates are very flat, it's it's you're not making a lot of money out of that. So rates have popped back up. So I wouldn't say um, you know, necessarily it's going to get much worse, but they've normalised. So this this we're seeing uh, the profit margins increasing. So that's going to give them a little bit of a boost. And as I said, there's a window until all of those things that Mark talked about, you know, increasing competition, increasing costs, uh, is shrinking, uh, you know, I guess, well, I guess the ebb and flow with the economies in terms of their, their revenue base. But they, they, they will they will be strong, I think, for the next sort of, um, I'm talking a couple of years even. And I think you know, the, the, the dividends will come back and you're going to get sort of four, four, four to five percent um, yield on it with re reasonable capital stability. Look, they're not particularly cheap because they've had a pretty good run since um, the vaccine was announced. But that's what banks are. You're not necessarily buying them because they're going to shoot the lights out in growth. You're buying them because you want a really stable chunk of your portfolio uh, to pay a nice dividend yield. So it falls into that category I talked about with Woolworths. Um, you, if you're a growth investor, this is not the stock for you. If you're a bit more of a, a value yield investor, then I'm happy to go out and buy Bendigo now, but it fulfills that very specific part of your portfolio. Okay. All right. So for, uh, for yield investors. 
All right, let's um, take a look at um, our first five stocks, including stock of the day, AGL, a no from both Mark and Carl. Uh, Emico, a hold from Mark um, and um, a no from Carl at the moment, but is is watching it. Uh, yes for Harvey Norman for both of them. Harvey Norman's already in the calls portfolio, so we'll stay there. Uh, Goodman Group, good, well-run company. Uh, share prices really been on a tear. Uh, if you can get it for around seventeen fifty, uh, Carl would be interested. Below seventeen dollars, uh, Mark would be interested too. A no for uh, for Woolworths and Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. No from Mark. And if you're a yield investor um, and um, you're not a growth investor, um, a yes for Carl from Carl on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. Uh, as I said here at the call, we have our own fantasy portfolio that we've been tracking since the first of July last year, thanks to our partner Nab Trade. Any stock that gets unanimous approval, like Harvey Norman from uh, uh, our expert panel, goes into the calls portfolio. If it comes up again uh, to a different panel, expert panel, and um, doesn't get um, unanimous approval, it goes out of the out of the portfolio. If it does, it stays there. Um, let's check how it's been performing for the week. It's the returns been pretty flat for the month, up two and a third percent. And since the 1st of July, it's up almost 25%. Uh, take a look at the some, some of the stocks that have recently been added. Pacific Smiles, uh, E-Road, Western Areas, Super Retail and Brain Chip. Some of the stocks that have been taken out, Incitec, Pivot and Premier Investments. If you want to look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. A uh, bit of a programming note coming up in the next hour, one twenty Eastern. We'll be focusing on businesses meeting the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance. It's a hot area for investors at the moment. We'll be joined by James Chin, um, Moody co-founder and chief executive of Sendal and Lee Dunlop from Future Super. That's from one twenty as uh, we look at that ESG area and investing. That'll be a great segment. Stick around for that. All right, let's get into the um, second half of the call. And Carl Shanana uh, wants a view on Nanosonic. Shanana says, share price has been very volatile after surging to a record high of 825 in January. Share prices come down 25%. Can you consider this stock as a reopening trade? and the second half results to be stronger? Is it a time to buy? Nanosonics, of course, have got a, um, has got a, um, a unique technology that, um, that helps, is a, a disinfector, if you like, isn't it, of, of surgical instruments in hospitals? Uh, yes, look, uh, mainly used for um, ultrasound uh, probes. Yes. And it's a bit of an ecosystem. So the product is, a, you know, it's not just uh, the, the solution, there's the holders, the storers, um, you know, the wipes. And, and, and so Nanosonics uh, obviously sell the product, but then they do the servicing of the products and then sell you the peripherals because there's a bunch of consumables involved as well. Um, so the question is more about whether this is a reopening train. And I thought about that and I thought it's not naturally something you would go to as a reopening trade. Uh, you could argue, well, people have um, struggled to get to ultrasounds, uh, doctor's appointments, and perhaps then 
We'll see a bit of a pop-up in that as a result. I've got a little bit of inside information here. David, my wife, is an ultrasonographer. Um, And uh, yeah, and she's, uh, so she, you know, I I know uh, based around rosters and and gossip and what she tells me about what's going on in the company that she works for is that um, ultrasounds, uh, there was a bit of a dip in ultrasounds for about, uh, you know, literally a couple of weeks uh, when COVID hit over here. Um, Because it is an essential service, uh, it got back to normal very, very quickly. So in, in fact, they're doing the same number now and in probably most in many cases more numbers now than they were pre pre-covid so I, i'm not sure if it's a reopening trade because i think it never really um suffered all that much anyway so um, i think you've got to look past that for nanosonics and say well what's the underlying business and whether there's an investment case there so is it the right company well i, I like the business i like what they do i think um, it's a good model it's a great product it is the best product my wife tells me that there's there's nothing else out there in terms of or nothing anywhere near as good so they've got that market corner they are growing um, uh, users and uh, at about sort of you know single um, sorry low double digits uh, each year and that's all good stuff the problem is is it the right value and you're paying about 200 times this year's earnings that falls because there is growth in the business to about 100 times next year's earnings uh, and that's wow. where it really falls down for me as an investment case so there's a great business there it is growing um, the biggest problem for this is a bit of a one-trick pony so this trophon uh, ecosystem is about all they've got the, the big disappointments the question was about the chart why is the chart plunging uh, well they released their announcement you see the chart on screen now and how volatile this has been so unlike Woolworths which is steady Bendigo steady this has been a headache if you've been an investor mm-hmm. um, and and that's the, the part of the problem is because it's so expensive so it really yeah. takes a leap of faith to be an investor um, the, the the run-up I couldn't even see what the run-up was about that would that baffled me uh, the fall was because they missed on their um, some of their their sales numbers and the the market the big this is the big one so everybody was waiting for the announcement of their second product or, or any new product uh, in their last half year results and the company gave us nothing at all they said right. look it's still on the way so that was the big disappointment that was the the reason for the most recent fall it has bounced back a little bit but you can see the long-term trend isn't spectacular and it's resisting price movement to the upside the short-term trend is clearly down and whilst those candles stay very black and not very white i can't be a buyer here yeah. so it's an interesting business it's too expensive and the chart says no yeah um yep yeah. okay at a fundamental level <laughs> i can't talk to the charts yeah. the uh, earnings growth has, they lost money for a long time, which is typical, you know, with yep. a new technology company. Um, and they started making a profit in 2017 when they made 8.7 cents, then they made 1.9 cents, then they made 4.5, then 3 cents, and then last trailing 12 months, point, uh, it made, they made 2 cents. Two so the thing is, yep. yeah, per share. So there's no real growth in that. So if I look at yep. sales, sales have actually been growing uh, better. They're, they're, on, um, they're growing at 29% a year. So Sales volume, and by the way, that's $100 million in sales right. in the last 12 months. And this company is capitalized at $1.8 billion. Wow. So, and then on the <laughs> earnings, the, if you look at the earnings from that, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, $10 million. So they're making 10% profit, uh, which is not a lot, I wouldn't have thought, for a product like this. Right. You know, so now, I did, obviously, they have a lot of sales activity and maybe they're spending a lot of development. There's other things they could be doing. Yeah. But it should be, this should be a very profitable um, business because of the nature, as Carl explained it, where they're providing the whole thing and all the consumables and so on. So as yeah. they add a new client, they should stay long-term and that becomes annuity income. Yeah. But I'm not seeing it in the earnings yet. Now, maybe right. that'll happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm showing trailing 12 months, uh, PE is 300. Oh, you know, okay. which is now right. if the company was growing at, I'll give you an example, there's another one which we we do like, which is PME, Prometicus. Yeah, that's on a PE of 200. 
Right. Uh, but that's had 48% EPS growth for the last right. the last six okay. years. It's still ridiculously expensive. Yeah, yeah. But at least you know I I would I would buy that any day over this. Right. Because the trend there is well, growth. Well, because 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 what as share. as each year if your earnings keep growing and of course the challenge is how long can you keep growing at high rates? Yeah. Because Australia is a very limited market, so you need to be operating. Yeah. And 300 is absurd. So it's it's really a story. People are assuming they're going to come out with something, but so far their performance. Is not that ex- it's not exciting. Okay. That would generate that would even justify 100 PE. Okay. All right. Um, Mark Justin wants a view on Atlas Arteria, uh, a global owner and operator of uh, and developer of toll roads. Yeah. Uh, four countries: France, Germany, uh, United States. Here it was the old Macquarie Infrastructure Group. It, it is. It is. Um, yeah, so they, they basically don't own the assets, I don't believe. They, they just they own the licenses to take the money. Right. So yeah. if you look at the if you look at their profit margin, it's eighty five percent. Right. Yeah. So that that's means they, that means they don't own the, they don't own the assets. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. now nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah, they're they're, gener- they're getting the cash off the assets. Yeah. Uh, they're paying out like a typical toll road uh, company. They're paying out more than they um, earning. So their payout ratio last year was one hundred and fifteen percent, and their debt. So you always want to look at the debt with these businesses. Is currently um, uh, 43, which is low because a lot of these uh, infrastructure type ones have well over 100% yep. debt, and often they use the debt to help uh, fund the um, uh, the dividends. So uh, that looks all right. The if I just have a quick look at the uh, the numbers overall, uh, return on equity is 2.5%, which is woeful, um, and their stability is really poor. This is a company that you would expect to have high stability of earnings. Right. In, in the toll roam business, but they haven't. Because Transurban has that. Yeah, uh, and you've yeah. got a consistent, you know, it's a very reliable business that clips the coupon yep. every day. It should be very stable, but it's not. Um, so we're showing it returning negative uh, 11.8% uh, per year over the next five years on its current pricing, which is on a PE of 61. Right. So okay. it doesn't justify the price as well. Okay. Same thing. So no, I'm not saying it's bad, it's just uh, way too expensive, and the performance metrics don't meet any of our minimums. Okay, Carl? Yeah, it's not one I would be going for immediately. I mean, we would start on the chart because it's on screen. So we do have a long-term downtrend in place. That long-term downtrend, not a coincidence, commenced when COVID, uh, the pandemic began. And obviously, these guys rely on traffic. Uh, if the traffic's not there, it's very hard for them to um, to show earnings growth. And that's a big problem. Uh, it, it, it's been a fairly modest, uh, it's like it had a big rally, obviously, um, at the start. And then it's been a, a fairly slow grind lower from there. So that's certainly not inspiring in terms of telling you what supply and demand is doing the market and you know just the charts are telling you uh you know there are more buyers than sellers at any one point in time or over a period of time and i think the market's a bit market's a bit subdued on this uh and yeah i mean it's it's all about covid and we talked uh, on the last one about reopening trades and this is probably more of your reopening style of trade um but it's not one for me at this stage not particularly cheap um the yield isn't as good as, say, some of the banks, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's not fully franked. In fact, there's no franking as well. So remember, I, I talked about finding the right uh, stock for what you're trying to achieve. And you. If yep. you want that sort of, yeah, capital stable, fully franked dividend yield, um, you'd go Bendigo before you went this one. So yeah. it, is, it, is Transurban a better option than this? Uh, I actually haven't looked at Transurban for a while. Uh, in terms of reopening, I'm focusing more, David, on sort of the travel stock. So I think Webjet right. looks really interesting. Um, corporate travel, that Qantas, I think, looks um, really good here. I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but let me yeah. look at uh, TCL for you. Uh, it almost looks the same as uh, Atlas, right. unfortunately. Yeah. So pretty much in the same boat. Yeah, look, I, I think this 
better reopening trades out there. And I think if you want that stable, boring stock in your portfolio with a nice yield, I think there are better ones out there as well. So, so where does where does this fit? Where does Atlas yeah. fit and where does yeah. TCL fit? Good point. All right, our next um, stock is Seven Group Holdings. Um, it's sort of a uh, uh, an investment company. Uh, Carl is an, it, it uh, has a, a big stake in Seven West Media, sort of the yep. owners of the Seven Group, but also uh, Beach Energy, uh, West Track, Coats Hire, um, also a big stake in Boral. Now, a big strategic stake as well. That's right. Yeah, so it's um, it's a conundrum for analysts. Uh, you always, if you see this come up on the uh, the call list of ten stocks, uh, when it gets sent through, you go, "Oh no," because yeah. there's so many uh, move, moving moving parts on on this one. But uh, some look, and again, that the problem with that is that depending on which stage of the economic cycle you're in, some of them are probably going to do very well, and some of them aren't. But that gives you some diversification as well. It's a bit like, I guess, uh, Washington H. Sol Pattinson is that, um, you know, Kerry Stokes has the ability to take stakes in companies that you wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to take a stake in, and therefore have some influence on the on how those businesses are run. Uh, so it, it's you, you, you're betting, I guess, on management. You're betting on their ability to um, to, to, to transform businesses and manage the, the businesses they have. I know I'm getting a bit uh, waffly here because that's how difficult it is uh, to, to talk about this one. But in you know, in terms of uh, you know the the, the, the fundamentals. Uh, I wouldn't say they're the cheapest stock out. They're sort of mid-teens on, on uh, this year's PE. There's a little bit of growth in the business. That's dropping to the low teens if, you, if you've if you got a sort of a two to three year view. Uh, the dividend yield is not fantastic, around about that 2% level. Um, the chart looks good. I'm happy to buy it uh, just on the technical basis in that there is a really good long-term trend. Um, the market's probably seeing a bit more growth in it than I am, and I'm happy to defer to the market. So um, the, the fundamentals are, I'd give it sort of a, a, a B, uh, you know, C plus B, um, the, the right stock at the right time, as I said, a little bit hard to say because there's so many moving parts. But I think, you know, uh, the, the bits exposed to the reopening, I think they'll do well, and the chart is a tick. So I'm going to go um, tick, 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 buy. Okay. Mark? Uh, yeah, it is difficult. Uh, the West Track business, which is Caterpillar and so yes. on, is providing uh, mining uh, machinery. That's a, that, that Caterpillar business is a very profitable business. Yeah, I remember huge. when he bought it. Yeah, yeah well, ooh, bleep, bleep, bleep. You know, you're a media <laughs> person. What are you doing buying a... Uh, a uh, uh, engineering trucking, oh, not trucking, engineering, uh, mechanical engineering business. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was actually probably a good move. Uh, uh, Media is obviously... And then he sort of uh, bought for Northern China as well. He owns right. Caterpillar for all of the north of China. That's right. So uh, it's that's been right. massive for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that was a tick. Yeah. The media assets. If you look at what's happened with News Corp, yeah. I think uh, Rupert Murdoch's uh, biggest income earner now is uh, realestate.com in Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it shows you where media is <laughs> going now. I know we're further down the track now, where they're diversifying their, into digital and all the rest of it. Right. Whether they're turning that into money or not, I'm not sure. Yeah. Cause I don't really follow it. Yeah. But that, I would it's say right, I, it's not a big part of seven no, groups no, business. No, and they're also sure. into energy. They own they own gas in the US. They own, they've yeah. got a wholly owned gas thing, and they've. So it's, it's, I, don't know, I don't know how you would analyze and they're, it. So. And they're at the, the, ta- the Boral table for a breakup of Boral, yeah, basically, yeah. is okay. what the media is saying. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, maybe that's true. Um, by the way, they own Coates Hire. I said Emico yes. owned Coates Hire yeah. earlier. Right. I got yeah. that. Sorry, I correct myself on that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, okay, so if just look, quickly look at the, uh, the numbers from our perspective. The return on capital is below 10% because they've got quite high debt. Right. So they've got 117 percent debt to equity, which is pretty heavy from our point of view. We're showing it returning about 5.8 percent a year right. at the moment. So it's got a market capital of about seven billion, yeah. and it's got quite stable earnings. So uh, the sales, well, sales are very stable. Earnings are not quite as stable. They're pretty good. 
So it's not bad, but I wouldn't buy it. Okay. All right. Um, uh, uh, Mark Chen wants a view on Bell Financial Group, the big stockbroker investment and financial advisory group. Uh, uh, 16 offices in Australia, but in New York, London, Hong Kong, Kuala Lumpur, uh, Bell Potter Securities, <coughs> Bell Direct, Bell Potter Capital are the three yeah. parts of the business. Yeah, they, I mean, the whole, the original Bell Potter business, I would argue, there was probably one of the most successful in uh, t- uh, navigating the whole digitization of stockbroking. Right. Because yeah. there used to be heaps of brokers. Yeah. You know, most of them have gone. Yeah. You know, so Bell survived. A lot of their business is based on um, uh, providing services for uh, mergers, acquisition, capital raisings and so on for uh, listed companies. Yep. So they get quite a lot of M&A type earnings. That's a big part of it. But they're also a legitimate broking business as well. Uh, they look good. We've got, uh, they pass uh, Team Invest uh, filters. No. Um, we're showing in the, <coughs> pass on everything. So high stability, 90, 92%. Return on equity is over 20, which is excellent. Uh, no debt. We like oh. that. That's a big plus from our point of view. Market cap's about half a billion. And we're showing them returning 23% a year. Uh, on our default metrics wow. uh, per year over the next five years if you bought it at today's price. Yep. They're currently on a P of 11.9 and their EPS growth rate's been running at 19%. So that's been going for about eight years. Right. So over the last eight years, they've grown their earnings at a rate of 19% a year. Sure. And then you're getting that on an 11 PE. And going right. on what Carl was saying before, that's the other way, the other way around. So we're seeing yep. a low PE, high growth, which yeah. is why it goes through to the 23% return. Right, okay. So this is, I'd put this in as definitely as a buy. Okay, Carl? Yeah, look, I agree. I think it is uh, it is a buy. I think it is the right stock at the right time. So, we, you know, you can, if you sort of squint a little and look at this one, it's a bit like a baby Macquarie Bank. So it's not just broking, they, they tie deals, they do listings. Uh, yeah, I know that's a big call. It is a big call, but that, that's, <laughs> they would look, really they, love it. So they, you're they saying would, they would, they're sorry, <laughs> you're saying they're a baby Macquarie bag. You, you heard it first here on on Ausbiz. Look, but that's the model. I mean, that is the model. That's ultimately what the, the, use that the business in their marketing. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that is the business that effectively that they they're trying to um, evolve themselves into, and they've been around forever as well. But Mark's correct. Uh, you're not paying a whole lot for the earnings and you're not paying a whole lot for the growth that's in the business. And I think it will grow. I think, I think you know, if you look at where we are in terms of financial markets, I think deal flow will continue. I think volumes uh, from trading will will continue to grow, I should say. So I think it's the right stock, the right time. Is it the, is it, uh, the sorry, is it the right value? Yes. Is it the right time? Well, that's where the chart comes in. And the chart is, is very strong, but that's a reflection of the strong performance. It is in a short-term downtrend. That's the only caution I would uh, give viewers at this point in time. Um, it is making a nice base around that long-term uptrend level and that's what we often see when things get ahead of themselves if people get too excited the price pulls back to that dark green zone that's an area of support Um, and i'd be buying around here so i think you can look to buy it around that one sort of 70 level you've got a fairly logical place if you if you if it didn't work out for you to probably tip out sort of below that 150 level but in the meantime i think you're buying a quality stock at a discounted price compared to say where it was around that two dollars and two because that's where the long-term excellent all right our final stock is this a stock for the times, uh, a whiskey distiller? Probably is, but is it for the investment times rather than the uh, uh, just consoling all the stress? Uh, ben wants a view on uh, Carl on Lark Distilling, the big um, uh, the big Tasmanian base uh, craft distiller. Well, it's not huge. It's not Treasury Wine Estates or anything like that. But uh, they're in the craft distilling business um, in Tasmania. Lark, Nantover, 40 spotted gin distilleries, 
as well. Um, an yeah, interesting look, uh, little business. It is, it is. Uh, and it's certainly a, a growth area and, and, and yeah. globally um, the multiples on, on these types of businesses are, are growing as well. Uh, and I think that's obviously uh, going to be a tailwind for them. The, the chart's probably the most interesting part, and I'll let Mark speak to the, the fundamentals, but um, the chart is looking astronomical right now. It's going exponential uh, to the moon, as the young people are saying at the moment. Uh, and that concerns me a little bit when they start to go vertical like that. So I, yeah. I would uh, just be an avoid. I'll make this one very quick for you, David. I think I'm an avoid for now, but it's one I'm going to look at very, very closely if it does start to pull back to some of those support okay. levels that hopefully I'll help viewers identify. So I'd look at it first at two, but more long term, it could be sort of around that 180 level where, where you're going to see a little bit more value than right now. Okay. Mark? Uh, it's a shocker. Uh, it's, had, it's been listed for 18 years, right. and I've got the last 10 years data, and they haven't made a cent. So all they've done is lose money every year for 18, right. 18 well, probably 18 years. I, I doubt if they were making money before that. Right. But for the last 10 years, it's been losing shareholder funds ranging from up to 42% of their equity in one year. And the lowest was last year, at minus 3.9. Right. So obviously, um, yeah, that, that's way too long for a business to get their act together to make money right. as, a, as a listed entity. I mean, how long are shareholders supposed to wait? Yep. So, uh, and it's not like they just started. Yep. This is they've got 18 years of history. Yeah. So uh, no, I'd call this an absolute capital killer. Okay. And if you look at the shares outstanding, uh, they have been have they been growing? Uh, can't tell quickly without having right. to get further, but yeah, yeah. I imagine they have. Yeah. Because you can't keep funding. You have well, with losses, continual losses. Well, you've got to keep getting new money. A massive spike that they've just had recently. I don't know about share price. That's yeah, just yeah. you know that's that's just uh, market right. sentiment. Yeah. And it, they're about to go. They're about to go cash flow positive. So that's kind of I think when a lot of right. people jump on a lot of funds, they need to have that. Yeah. Uh, and that's when you get some of that right. traction coming okay. to the uh, and, and, and there's no PE, of course, until they have some earnings. So cash flow positive, hopefully that equates to earnings per share as well. Yeah. And then yeah. there'll be a price on it. Yeah. There's, an, yeah. there's another option on the market um, who are um, a supporter of Ausbiz here for the, uh, for the last call on Friday nights, Mighty Craft, which is a portfolio of craft yeah. brewers and gin distillers yeah. that are all under the one umbrella. So a bit of a roll up of that yeah. area. Yeah. All right, uh, let's recap the final five stocks. Nanosonics are no, Atlas Arterial are no, uh, Seven Group are no from Mark, yes from Carl, uh, Bell Financial a yes from both Mark and Carl, uh, Luck Distillery a no from Mark, uh, Carl's going to put it on his watch list. Uh, Carl, good to see you, hopefully see you at the footy on Saturday night over in Perth. Absolutely, David. I think the chart of Westpac just pulled back a little bit last week, but you watch it make a new high this weekend against Port. No <laughs> doubt. <laughs> All right, mate. Mark Morland from Team Invest. Always great to have you on board. Thanks, Thank um, Now, if you'd like uh, any stocks um, of your stocks to be put to our expert panel for their adjudication, uh, put them in an email to us. The call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiztv handle. Uh, see all the... Uh, stocks in the calls portfolio. Um, Bell Financial added to that today. Harvey Norman stays in it. Uh, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. You'll see all the stocks there. Uh, just a reminder to subscribe to the Osbiz newsletter. It's in your inbox 5.30 Eastern every afternoon with everything, a wrap up of uh, what has happened during the day on the market, some business news. You get Scuddy's view, the close of business podcast, the most popular videos to click through to, just subscribe osbiz.co forward slash the COB. 
And uh, on a programming note, it's happy birthday and full circle for the, the DISH telescope, would you believe? 60 years <clears throat> of it uh, going back to the moon from 2 p.m. today. Dr. Jimmy Green, the park's senior system scientist for the CSI for CSIRO, uh, will join us. Uh, that is on the Startup Daily Show. Um, so he would have, um, one of the characters would have played him in the dish. I, I love that. Is he the Sam Neill character, do you think, that could have been in could the be, dish? Be. One of the iconic movies. So uh, the Startup Daily Show from 2 p.m. We'll uh, have Jimmy on it, so that should be a lot of fun, plus a lot of other founders and venture capitalists. So a lot happening on Ausviz throughout the afternoon. We'll be back after this. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.